Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm doing what I usually do. I'm having a candid, curious conversation on arts and culture. And today, I am pleased to be in conversation with a multimedia artist and producer living and working in Baltimore, good old Baltimore. For the past 10 years, uh, my guest has produced film, music videos, arts installations, uh, live events, and photographic work. Please welcome Travis Lavasser. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and saying my name the way that my mom always said it. <laughs> it, it got real choppy at the end. It's like it's like something slapped me. It was like, say it this way. <laughs> so, so, so thank you for, for joining the pod. And um, as we get started, I got to do the sort of customary thing that either you can talk about for a long time or you're like look can we move on uh tell us about yourself what's your, what's your story um and in there can you tell us about your background and maybe your first experience with art or creativity yeah sure so um i was born i was born <laughs> in uh richmond virginia in 1991 so not too far away uh kind of kind of like a little little baltimore uh kind of felt like when I first moved here. I was like, oh, this is a big Richmond. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, my parents were both in the, uh, what some people call functional arts. So like my dad is a construction worker and my mom is an interior designer. And mm -hmm. my mom's interests were very much in furniture and stained glass. She uh, did stained glass on the side as her practice and actually worked at a little stained glass studio at the Edgar Allan Poe House nice. in downtown Richmond. 
which I think is the one he was born in. It's one of those confusing things where he's claimed by everyone, but we got him because he died. He's ours. <laughs> he's ours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, my first sort of exposure to art was my mom dragging me to every single church and uh, sort of we didn't grow up super religious. So it was kind of experiencing uh the art of these buildings and craft as a way to tell stories, you know, through a, a language that I wasn't sort of indoctrinated in growing up. You know, we didn't, sure. my sister went to Catholic school, but my parents weren't Catholic. Uh, and so, yeah, that was sort of, sort of my first experience with it. And because my parents were both, uh, sort of makers and builders, uh, they sort of encouraged me and I felt that I wanted to become an architect, which of course did not happen, but it was sort of the cross between these things. So, you know, um, growing up, there were Frank Lloyd Wright books all over the place, you know, uh, fancy chairs, <laughs> coffee table books, you know, sure. that, that kind of vibe, sort of, sort of the the design aspect of, of 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 yeah like i said because they were somewhat supportive uh and because they were sort of makers in their own right uh i was encouraged to or felt comfortable i guess is more is the more correct way to say it sort of i felt comfortable pursuing sort of the creative arts in my academic career just like through elementary school middle school and um Feel like I got a lot of encouragement doing a lot of woodworking for my dad and my mom and you know all of that helped foster this sort of trajectory that got me to where I am today so I was lucky in that like other people on your podcast actually from Virginia I went to one of the regional art public schools art magnet schools which uh Baltimore has one too it's called Carver it's basically the same sort of thing people apply you get in and then it's a public school and so it pulls people from a larger region. Mine was in Petersburg, Virginia. So I took a bus 45 minutes uh, south of town. Through You went through the Philip Morris factory and took a bus on the interstate and then got off in Petersburg. Um, but it was great. And, and it had a dark room. And sort of that's where I felt like I was first discovering something that was process-based and... Um, I had a really, there was a really wonderful teacher who taught the darkroom and who worked in all sorts of media. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the first time that I was like, oh my God, you don't have to just be like a painter or a drawer or a photographer or a filmmaker or whatever. Yeah. You can be this person, you know, she painted, she created mixed media um, sculptures. She, she was in the darkroom producing, you know, photographs, but also experimental media where you're playing with the the light and the exposure of the paper and and pushing those boundaries and she was just super inspirational to me and encouraged me to apply to art school and so that's how i ended up in baltimore i ended up choosing micah and um it was there that i declared my major in film uh and i think that i did that well i know that i did it because of how i felt at the time and i remember <laughs> <laughs> that i did it because um, as much as I loved photography and I loved uh, graphic design and all that sort of stuff that I had all this experience with, I was super eager and curious to try something new. And 
filmmaking felt like the next step of photography. I was sort of like following the trajectory of the history of the medium. I was like, well, what happened after this? And it's like, oh, the images moved. Okay, well, <laughs> what's up with that? Like, let's let's study that. Moving guys, eh? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure somewhere in there it's like, oh, also you're supposed to be able to make money off of this in the back of my mind too. But that hasn't happened, of course. But, you know, the it, it didn't like hurt uh, with my parents that I was studying something that was that could be commercialized, even though I have disappointed them. No, I haven't disappointed them, but I haven't gone that route yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, I like that you, you described some of that that period where it just sounded like you were around like folks that was just supportive. Your family was just supportive of you just kind of having an interest in some of the stuff that they were doing and ultimately kind of finding your own like lane in there. Like, all right, what's this next thing? Or even being around like in, in school and things of that sort. Um, you know, we all have some version of it, whether it's, I got tight and someone was just like, you should make this work or having that sort of support. I think having that support allows you to maybe explore and maybe just kind of float without a destination at the end, but really make interesting soul enriching work. Yeah, it's it's really everything. I think to have that support from somewhere to whether it's a some, you know, it could be a teacher at one year of your education that sort of was doing something that that you really jived with or um but yeah, having the support in your family is, of course, I mean, you know, they're supportive in so many ways, you know, they want you to do good at, or my parents wanted me to do good at something. And it wasn't, it, did, it wasn't, sports weren't working out. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like I wasn't, I wasn't bad at all the things they also wanted me to be good at, but that they were open to whatever was, I think, the big thing for me and trying out lots of different things. I, I have a, um, I have a bag in the studio in my closet um, that, it was like my art bag uh, when I was uh, drawing covers of like I used to draw, try to draw uh, covers of Wizard magazine back in the day. And oh, that cool. bag has all of these old comics that, you know, it's just like, I remember my dad got this for me or my grandmother gave me the bag. Or I had these 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 color pencils are dried out. I mean, these these markers are dried out. They're of no use, but it was a gift. It was one of these things of early on there was we're supporting you and this is how we think we can do it and um being in a completely sort of different media but doing something that is creative and something that's interesting they're like i'm not sure what to get you but i know you use very specific stuff so we're not going to try but here's a gift card to Sweetwater, or here's a gift oh, card yes. to wherever to get these cables or whatever you need oh yes so it's always the, still that support the watercolor sets from every aunt you know the <laughs> They once you're the art person, you're getting watercolor sets forever. Yeah, and I have I have this one book that I got because I was really into comics, uh, drawing comics, and it's like uh, how to draw comics, like whatever this this famous like comic guy it wasn't a big name person I was aware of, but it's like what's his credits from? You, you work for Marvel, bro? Well, who are you working for? And uh, <laughs> but it, it was just like oh, I'm getting something out of this. And I just, just, you know, listening to what you were describing just reminds me of that time. I don't know. It just, it just hits me. So I want to, want to ask about, um, tell me about like, you know, a work, an exhibition, uh, creative experience that had a profound impact on you early on, um, and pursuing your work on a sort of artistic journey. Um, I think for, for me, it's always been like talk radio, you know, I would listen to like mm. maybe either talk radio or something that had 
some of those sort of weird news stories that they only spend like five minutes on. That's how I got mm-hmm. started in podcasting because and it got to a point where I was covering the stories at the same time they were covering them. And then I got to a point where I was covering that before they would pop up on the news or in these sort of radio shows. I was like, okay, I got something on my hands here and this is very interesting. And I think this sort of interest that I have, I can build something out of it. And um, so that's what that would be for me. What would, what would that, that thing be for you? You know, my work is so all over the place, especially right now that I think the things that I thought of when you're asking this question are kind of late, like probably like senior year of college, probably. Um, Cause through undergrad, I was trying out all these different techniques and uh, mediums and kind of throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what happened. And then um, I was making a couple trips up to New York and I saw these two, two shows, the first being Janet Cardiff's 40 part motet. I just happened to cross it PS one. And it was mm-hmm. this one of the big, big, I can't remember what they call those rooms, but there's these like much larger exhibition spaces um, sort of stacked on top of each other at one end of the museum. I can't remember, but it was a circle of, I can't remember. Oh, 40, 40 speakers. Cause that's the <laughs> name of the, <laughs> all standing like five something feet in the air. Yeah. And she recorded someone singing on, on each speaker and they come together in a circle to create this incredible immersive experience wow. where you're walking around these speakers that are human height, you know, they're coming together in this really amazing, powerful way, but you're interacting with these inanimate objects in a way that as you're going up to the speakers, you feel as though you're like getting in their space. Like, even though it's just an inanimate object, you're like, you're interacting with something that could be happening from a human, but you're not, (laughs) you're you're able to experience it in an incredibly passive way or, you know, sorry, interactive way that is like, kind of just like it just like blew my brain where i was like whoa and it was time-based so i felt like there were all these things going on with technology and time and emotion and it just all these things came together for me for the first time where i was able to experience something like that in person because it was in a museum that happened to you know really support that kind of strange work that that you don't really get to see other places and then the other show similar year um was in 2013 there was this paul mccarthy show at the park avenue armory um and it was bonkers i had never (laughs) seen anything like this before it was this enormous armory space like you know probably like the one that we have um near howard street like it was that kind of building yeah it was this enormous building on the inside um and they they built like this enormous enchanted forest in the middle and they built his childhood home and he reenacted himself like with prosthetics as like this weird horny walt disney character in his childhood (laughs) home like they're spraying chocolate everywhere and all of the videos are playing enormous on the sides of this enormous space in a triptych like all at once while you can walk among all the sets they film these in so you can smell the chocolate you can see the spaces they filmed then they built um what do you call it when you when you like rebuild a human out of like silicone you know like yeah 
uh, you get a model out of silicone, like models of him yeah. in these precarious situations with the other characters in the film. That you're going through the enchanted forest on your own. You just there were so many ways to experience the work to tell this crazy story that he made. That it was the first time I'd ever seen story told like that yeah. in such a way, um, because again, experiencing some something like that is not a regular occurrence as we're, you know, going to local galleries and museums and things like they're kind of like events. There are these big events that have to take that take a ton of resources. So I was just like, that that is definitely we we definitely have a couple questions in that sort of vein. So we're going to put a pin in that and come back to that. He did at <laughs> yeah. the top of the, you know, so I, I want to ask about this and thank you for walking us through because now I'm going to be looking up things. I already looked, typed in 40 speakers. I already typed that in because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like when, when things kind of push boundaries and change how we, um, how we receive like creative work or what have you, and also being protective of what it is because, I think, you know, people just need the opportunity to create. And it's like doing the creative mornings thing recently. We talk about how everyone is a creative. Everyone can make work or what have you. And I think starting off at least from that standpoint and really build off building off of it is is important and to see how far you can go with your vision. Like I didn't think this would I remember early on, uh I, I've told the story before that. The, it was surprising to exceed more than 20 interviews. And it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I, I doubt if you can get that many. It's like, I can talk. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I mean, but it's just finding like 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 people who who are interesting. So definitely having a vision and being able to uh, see it. Those that that's the work that's truly interesting for me. Um, but we're going to put a pin in that and go to this next question. Um, so I read that your your background includes um, artist assistant, gallery curator, theater technician, and video producer. In terms of like perspective and perhaps skills. How do you like position how do these positions or these these roles in your your background kind of serve your work currently in, in in your your art? Yeah. So I think especially with the the um the jobs in the, the entertainment industry, the the theater and the the moving image jobs, I've definitely been incredibly drawn to the gears and levers that humans use to trick themselves for entertainment. And I kind of wanted to experience those things firsthand, like, like how the sausage is made, how are special effects done? I'm especially interested in practical effects. So theater is an interesting place to be. Um, because those things are, you know, practical effects are still utilized in theater. Um, it's really exciting to see them used in film. But you using special effects is something that I've started to do more in my work mm -hmm. something that i'm super interested in um recently i've started incorporating robotics along with animation sort of these these things that have their lineage in the entertainment industry but are sort of being used in an installation context so exploring these worlds um is a curiosity and technique but also a curiosity and the lineage of something that I didn't necessarily study while I was in school, because even though I did go to school for film, it was at MICA, which is a very interdisciplinary program. Sure. So it's kind of fun to, I'm, I feel like I'm walking the line a lot, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, I get you. <laughs> like trying to, someone was talking about it and something I was in yesterday, like the, that line between performance art and 
the performing arts is the, like the context that it was of the history that it's um, coming from. So I'm interested in techniques from the performing arts, mm -hmm. but I'm interested in the lineage of the visual arts or gotcha. performance art. But that makes sense. Uh, so now we're able to go back into those other ones. I put that in there as a little bit of a buffer, so we're not just talking about me. But uh, <laughs> so, like for for you, and, and and I touched on like my piece a little bit. But for you, describe a project where you pushed your vision as far as it could go. Like I I think you know people use that that thing usually using in sports. We left a few yards on the field. We left some points out there. Um, Cause you know, arts, artists and sports, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Uh, <laughs> so is there an instance that comes to mind for you where you pushed your, your project and it's like, yeah, that's exactly everything I wanted in there. Or, or have you always kind of like pushed for that? Cause I just want to get a sense of like, is there always you're, you're fully getting everything out there? Or is it one of those things where it's like, we didn't have the budget. We didn't have the time. We didn't have the space or the resources and that sort of thing. So tell me about that and pushing your vision out there. There's always yards on the field. Always yards on the field. <laughs> always so many yards on the field. I mean, for me, I I I run I run with concepts for a long time personally. I mean, I have projects that have never been made where I've been running with a concept <laughs> for what feels like forever. Um, and that's just in the form of applying it for grants and, and applications and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the work even grows in that space so much. Sure. Uh, just over time, through, as I grow, as things change, as the news happens, as everything is constantly changing, uh, the work can always keep going. So, I mean, I haven't felt that way about a project yet. Um, every sort of concept that I've put a bunch of time into, I would absolutely show again in a different way, uh, especially because a lot of the work that I've been doing lately is very specific to the place that it's being shown. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to see um, the show that I did at Tyrol Contemporary, you know, that's the third iteration of a show. Uh -huh. So that 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 work evolved over time three times. And it, it would... Everything that I, you know, hate about myself and hate about the work in that show, I would try and fix and evolve. Um, so, yeah, I always hate it. I mean, I'm always I'm just like, oh, God, it's never I always feel so bad when I, when it's when it's time to show because I'm like, oh, I could always do so much more. <laughs> it's, it's, the thing about, it's the thing about like when they talk about painters, it's like you never really finished. You're always like yeah. tweaking or what have you. And I, re I remember uh, early on when I would do the editing of this podcast, uh, when, when, back when I was doing that so many years ago, I mean, I was just flush with cash, Scrooge McDuck here and uh, <laughs> Scrooge McTruth here or Scrooge McPod. That's probably better. Scrooge McPod. Uh, I remember um, I would really go through fine tooth cone style and like trim out like pauses and ums and all of that stuff and i would realize it's like i'm leaving what the spirit of this thing is it sounds too manicured it sounds too inauthentic like there's and i've, and I've said this before it's a certain degree of contrivance you know we're meeting at a certain time you have a sense of what the questions are going to be and so on but you know there it's like how do you toe that line and being in both as you kind of touched on with how you kind of you are and what have you i i think being able to toe the line of having like a framework but being able to free jazz and go away from that at times but i find that um yeah when it's 
a little too fine and you're like, well, this is what my vision is. You start changing what that vision looks like. It's like, well, I can go in here and fix this. And then suddenly you have, you know, George Lucas cleaning up Star Wars. It's yeah. like, look, that's, that didn't exist, bro, at the time. You, you didn't have that CGI at the time, guy. I mean, I've found, re- I found too, that other iterations of the work involve just fucking it up. Yeah. Like, I've, I, there was this one, one, this like MX, MMXX IV show that, like, when I brought it to Baltimore, that it had a life in New York where it existed in a certain way. And then when I brought it back to Baltimore, I was like, you know what? This thing should be destroyed. So I just took a hammer to it all. And the the installation was it as rubble. Nice. You know, this pristine model is rubble. And I thought that made more sense anyway. But it kind of had these two lives. I probably wouldn't have felt good breaking it if yeah. I hadn't mm. had it if it hadn't lived a life prior to that. I mean, I'd like to get to that point where I can just take a hammer to something <laughs> if it's meant to be that way and show it. But in that instance, I was like, oh, it had a little life. And now it's the afterlife. As a pristine <laughs> little, as a pristine little, you know, worse sculpture in my mind. But <laughs> No, I, I, I dig it. I mean, I think when, when people have a, a method to how they're going about things and, you know, I, 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 I think for, I think it's for other people, right? When it's like, well, why did you do that? Why did you, it's like, because I wanted to. <laughs> and you know i feel it looks better in this way and i have that it's, it's like transmutation in some ways i feel like it did its thing and now it's time to do it in a different way that's why when i do this podcast and i do you know the rapid fire questions it's me putting the hammer to the goodwill that i've instilled in the guests like oh my god i trust <laughs> rob lee now i'm gonna ask some weird questions um <laughs> so yeah that, that's uh, and, and thank you for thank you for sharing next that's um that's, that's really cool uh Boundaries, pushing boundaries. Do you like add anything sort of like uncomfortable to your work within the process when you feel like you're just you're just not feeling it? You feel like you're in that sort of creative rut. I I know that uh, I was reminded recently. Take breaks, Rob. Take breaks. And I was like, mm-hmm. No, I don't want to take a break. I'm not going to be good. It's like take a break. Just you know, have have some sort of break in there. And because I, I found that I was doing more things that were unintentionally uncomfortable. I was I was missing like things I needed to be at and just not having energy. And I work in some of these uncomfortable things, you know, just to kind of jog things loose. But when they're not worked in intentionally, it's like I'm going to leave my charger. I'm going to leave maybe a microphone and I'm going to figure out a way to get that content. But when I'm not doing it intentionally, it's like I'm not in a rut. I'm like over capacity and I need to try to set some sort of boundary in that regard instead of the artificial, but I think still important ones that I put in to kind of spark the work and make me look at it differently. But what sort of uh, uncomfortables do you put in to set boundaries for yourself when you're creating work? For me, it it doesn't happen when I'm in a rut. I think when it happens is when I've kind of what I was saying earlier, I think that those moments really happen. Those sort of that confidence happens when I'm evolving the work. So it could, it doesn't have to be that it showed before or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but as it's sitting in the studio, you know, if I'm, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is kind of, I'm I'm in a rut with that, that piece. So it'll sit in the studio for a little while and I'll, I'll go on to something else. Um, And then when I go back to it, that's when I'll make a, 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 I'll add something uncomfortable to it. I'll I'll have thought about it for a while, but 
when I'm generally in a rut, like let's say the studio is not happening, like everything is just sitting, which has happened, especially during COVID. There was some darkness. There was a little bit of darkness in COVID. There was a just, moment just a where scotch. I was like, I just, what am I, what am I doing down here? What am I going to, you know, in those moments, um, it becomes more about sort of taking, taking things in. Like I, I sort of have in my practice, like these moments of just like break, but it also allows me to experience more work and maybe take it in differently and listen to more, read more, watch more and sort of with the lens that you're kind of hunting for, for what's next. Mm. Mm. Um, whereas when I'm doing that sort of in my everyday life, it kind of always works its way into the current project. You know, I'll see something and be like, oh, that really pertains to this. That really pertains to that. But sometimes when I'm in a creative rut and I'm taking in, you know, everything that, that I just said, it's like, oh, it culminates and becomes maybe what the next project will be. The big, the big project, the big concept, the big, it could be a installation or a, you know, script or whatever it is. Because right now I'm doing way too many different things. But, you know, that's sort of where I am and sort of how I work in those, those lulls. I dig it. I dig it. Um, I hear about the, the analog to digital like loop or what have you to kind of jog. Mm. I, I, I hear about that thing. I've, I try, I don't know where any of my notepads are at. That's the closest I have to like, write down an idea. Who should I talk to? Who's no, it's guests? so good. It's so good. I do that. Yeah. I'm an analog. I'm an analog note taker for sure. And I've heard multiple people on this podcast say that and I identify with that very much. It's different. It's different when you're writing it down and then and then you're forcing yourself to see it again because yeah. you have to digitize it, which is, I feel like, half the reason to do it. And, it, and, and then you're like, oh, what, I cannot read my handwriting. <laughs> and then you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> inevitably, it, it's going to bring out like new questions or what have you, or it's going it, to, I think in the process of transcribing it, I guess, it, it's going to bring out either a new idea or a more refined version of that idea, but I think getting it down, that's the, it's like when you you have, you know, HR money bags or what have you, you know, me, you know, Pod McDuck or what have you, like, yeah. can you take this note? You know, take this note. Yeah. I, I need I need a good man on the morrow for this episode. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of that for me, but really getting that note down. And, you know, I feel like I need to partner with maybe a notepad maker or something like, here's the truth in this art branded notepad, you know, get all mm. these things now. There's a few ideas. We'll workshop it. Put it out in the universe. Manifestation. It's fine. Uh, talk about um, the the artist lifestyle. Um, and I, it's something about it. Like, I think it's often misrepresented. You know, the whole starving artist conversation. It's like, no, nah, we need to be thriving artists. Uh, that's the thing. And but there is a certain degree of freedom that could be baked in from from the limited experience where I kind of ascribe to that sort of lifestyle. I was just like, yeah, I'll get there when I get there, man. I'm so here in the universe, man. That's what I was doing for like a good year. And then reality hits like, oh, bills, I am behind on a lot. And I need to buy less canvases and less gear because I was, I was painting at the time. So for for you, how do you describe like your uh, viewpoint on that sort of artist lifestyle? What is your artist lifestyle like, and what does that sort of like artist lifestyle idea mean to you? Yeah, I think it's uh, doing too much and like 
not making any money. Yeah, no, I mean, that that stereotype is unfortunate because we all want to dispel these stereotypes. But yeah, it does suck, doesn't it? Uh, It's (laughs) I would say I'm at a I'm at a I feel I'm at a good point in my life where I feel everything in my life is part of what what you could consider an artist lifestyle aside from the day job. So I know a lot of people, I'm sure, have a similar experience to me, but um, it has taken me a while to incorporate sort of living as sort of observing and being a human and all of that sort of being connected. I, I'm like very, I, I, if I'm in a certain space, I'm like very much in that space. And that's what I'm doing at the time. And that's that's what makes being here so hard because it'll be at work nothing else can come in that's the headspace you're in your studio that's the headspace and those spaces are super duper important Mm -hmm. because certain things happen in those spaces but um something that for some reason i just wasn't doing before for whatever reason was you know i was reading i was taking classes and they weren't necessarily they everything felt kind of disjointed and separate like i was trying to trying to like take a new trajectory in life or didn't know what what trajectory in life I wanted to do. And sort of recently I was like, oh, it's all just connected. Like being an artist is, you know, writing these scripts. It is, it is, you know, uh, making these animations. It is these 3D prints. It is all of these things can be connected. They don't have to be disjointed. So living the artist lifestyle for me has been sort of connecting, just just acknowledging that (laughs) like living and making in all of these different ways is is who you are as as an artist yeah um i i had to look at that recently in in prepping for this this talk and i was looking at like i've been in the sort of data world and doing that side of things for almost as long as i've been a podcaster those things have run concurrently and i'm even as you were just describing i started thinking i was like my day job is probably my funder you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at it, like mm-hmm. I need I need a mic, you know, we're not getting funding in that way that, you know, some artists are, are getting or have you. And they're able to sort of make that move when you're still in a spot where you need that full time job for like healthcare, for sake of argument, or that's covering up for my my space, my studio, if you will, which is in my home. I converted one of my bedrooms to a studio. That's that all of that stuff is kind of covered. So I got to like shift my concept and. It's like I'm almost reporting to myself, you know, as the person giving out the the funding (laughs) instead of uh, um, talking to someone that, you know, might not get it. I think it allows me to have more space to create. It just takes more from me. You know, I absolutely have sort of less time. And I I love the way that you put out having those those spaces simple to I'm doing this here and I'm doing this here. And there are going to be some instances where it overlaps. It's just like, I can't make that happen. I can't allow that to happen too mm-hmm. often because yeah. then it's just, but also they are instances where they serve each other, where, you know, for me, outside of the the, the money component and, and the, the, you know, health benefits, because mm-hmm. um, my throat goes down, you know, there's no podcast happening. It's just, uh, I need to go through <laughs> consoles with that. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's one of those things where, in looking at the analytics, as we were talking about before we started, that comes from me having a data background. You mm-hmm. know, I can do yeah. storytelling based out of that. So I see those instances where they serve each other. Yeah, that's great. 
So I got two last real questions for you uh, before we get to those rapid fire ones. Does your work fall closer to passion or curiosity and, and why? So in my work, curiosity is the driver, not just of content, but also techniques. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I'm making a new body of work, there's something in there that is a new technique for me. This last exhibition, the one I just took down at School 33, it was um, hand-drawn animation, like the old school way. That was a very good COVID activity. I was very happy to discover this, and I really enjoy it a lot. Um, It's very time-consuming, but you can also listen to audiobooks. You can watch television. You can literally do whatever you want while you're doing it, which is great work, in my opinion. Um, I'm like a morning, like thinker, concept-driven type person. And then in the afternoon, I like to do something really mindless and and something just process-based that, yeah. you know, you're doing something, but you're chilling. Yeah. And animation is very much a perfect afternoon, evening activity for me where I can really get something done. And um, yeah, but but to the, the I'm doing that thing where I answer your question by saying both, by also saying passion is what's going to keep the work going because you're only curious about animation for so long till you get to page 2000 of your animation and you're like what's driving this now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. something else beyond curiosity is driving this now <laughs> but but i like i like how you you explained that because i think yeah you start off with that like when they say what what piques your interest and it's like what's going to keep you coming back or what have you and yeah exactly. it has to be passion baked into it mm-hmm. so yeah exactly as we kind of get into this last question, um, this is more of the pre-shameless plug part of the question. Uh, tell us about your most recent work and the house that daddy built. I'm doing this crazy person thing where I'm telling a story about um, sort of the vi- uh, theft, violence, and greed that founded our country by looking at Virginia or at Richmond as sort of this space where uh, my aspirations of becoming an architect as a child come to fruition as in this sort of child remake of the rebranding of Altria in 2003 that happened when I was growing up. Altria is the company that owned Philip Morris and rebranded itself into, well, it was Philip Morris and it rebranded itself into a lifestyle company (laughs) (laughs) with this pretty rainbow logo and, you know, if you go to Richmond, they're the sponsor of absolutely everything. And so growing up, we saw this like this, this, you know, underlying current throughout all arts programming, throughout all theater, com- you know, theater program. Everything is Altria, 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 Altria. So I wanted to play the role of the architect of the rebranding of their new headquarters that they had built when I was growing up. That's great. And the the sculptures some of the sculptures represent these sort of three areas that i was thinking of as the id the ego and the super ego of both me and this company is like i'm contending with the toxic masculinity and white supremacy that are all tied within you know my experience the place i grew up and this company's history and legacy and um richmond's a very interesting place too because i discovered sort of late because they don't teach you this stuff in elementary school, that those monuments that have been in the news, those were not put up in the Confederate era at all. Right, right, right. They were yeah. put up way later. <laughs> no one told us that. <laughs> um, 
So I found that out way later, but that's sort of like indicative of kind of the the the, the time and the space of yeah. of that. And so I'm trying to work all these too much too many things into this work by having this like lobby space, a bunker space, and a, a video. Yeah. Video's been shot. I'm editing it, and um, so the ICA is gone. That was my sort of. <laughs> so we're at a pause with this work. Yeah, yeah. But I might have some good news to share soon someone emailed me recently about something something but i'm not gonna say it i probably can't say we'll, we'll stay tuned uh, then <laughs> yeah so that show might be happening but in 2023 it was supposed to happen in 2022 um but it should happen in 2023 and then i my screenwriting fellowship is for a pilot television episode and then i'm also writing another pilot television episode as part of a class i'm taking at johns hopkins and then uh, I might be a crazy person and apply for an MFA for the first time this winter. And then I'm also Oof. planning a wedding for June. So that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. Right now. Lots of things. You're, you're, you're as busy as I am. So shout out to you. Yeah, it's suck. I mean, it's good and it sucks. Yeah. I'm like really, really excited that tomorrow is a half day. And then we have a few days off from work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Thanksgiving. As a side note, it is like the best. I, I love uh, Altria. It started the same year, was founded the same year I was born, and this great rainbow mosaic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's isn't so, that good? Yeah, it's so great, so informative, and you know, if you people. look up the graphic, there's like a graphic designpedia or something. Yeah, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was like it had some history of where the logo came from, and the logo came from the design company being inspired by their products on a shelf. Like wow. that is how shallow yeah, yeah. of a logo it is. Those That's are the amazing. colors of their cigarettes, basically. And as we, we wrap up here in these last few moments, um, I got three rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Brevity is key. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. And don't overthink them. Uh so here's the first one. Um, what is your most marked characteristic? Most marked. Yeah, when someone's like, Yeah, that's definitely Travis. People have brought up that I laugh very easily uh, <laughs> as a, like a as a thing. Like I do, I think people are hilarious, and <laughs> I give credit where credit is due. And you know, I do don't so. when it's not. But people are, I don't know, they're funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so as well. I, it's like. Uh, mm. I'm gonna laugh at you. I don't know if you think it's funny. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh <laughs> at you in your face. Uh, what is the last song that you listen to? That is so weird that you asked that question because literally this morning I was um, going through like my old hard drive of like when we had like iPods and stuff. Yeah. Like there's like an iTunes library on that thing. And I was like, I can put this on my computer. Nice. And I was like, I was dumping it and looking through and being like, I don't want to listen to any of this. I was like so excited to look at like my high school like iPod and I was like, oh my God, I was a monster. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> no, please, please, that's funny. That's really funny, actually. It's like, what was um, I into? <laughs> just like, I mean, I mean, it was just a lot of flaming lips and like arcade fire which is fine i mean there's nothing there's i wasn't a monster i was just like i didn't i didn't wasn't feeling any of that like like yeah. alternative or indie like high school music today but, but that's not i thought about it <laughs> i thought about it 
<laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, this is the last one. And again, you know, it's only it's only going to be three things. Um, aside from money, because money is a little too obvious. What are three things that you think an artist needs? Uh, to be on this podcast. Um, <laughs> That's number one. You said it. <laughs> um, I found that time has been my number one want lately, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you can identify with uh, based on our conversation a second ago. Space is also very, very helpful. Uh, you can't make big, dumb <laughs> foam sculptures without the space to do it in and store it in. I found that storage has become more of a problem too. As you make more, you got to make room to make more and that sucks. And uh, I would say community would be the other thing. It's legit. Since it can't be money. <laughs> no, what, I'm kidding. What, Communities well, are... <laughs> So technically it's four. You mentioned four. So yeah, being on this podcast is number one. Just so y'all know, take a note. Take a note there, uh, guy. Uh, so so with that, um, I'm going to again thank you for being on this podcast and uh, chopping it up with me. And I'm going to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, website, social media, all that good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah, it's my dumb long name uh, in every way. So Instagram, dumb long name. My <laughs> uh, That's great website dumblongname.com my <laughs> you could really just google my dumb long name and there's not really another guy with my name well there there used to be like a guy who won a purple heart but i've pushed him down he's he's i, I he's, thought you were going in a different direction like yeah i got rid of him like <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's like it highlander just like, <laughs> just like 190s article it couldn't you know nice. couldn't keep up that's really funny so there you have it folks i want to again thank travis Lavasser. Lee Vassar for coming on to the podcast and I'm Rob Lee uh, saying that there's art, filmmakers, community in and around your neck of the woods. You just gotta look for it. Mm-hmm.